Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Rematch Mike. And I am Sensuous Shane. Welcome to episode 121, Clash of the Champions 27. Two belts, two champions, and tonight, to become one. (laughs) Spice up your life. Yeah, you got it. You know that song? Love, I that song? Like, I'm a gay dude. <laughs> <laughs> not that um, all gay dudes are into Spice Girls, but I also yeah, was, you know... I don't want to paint with a broad brush. A 20-something in the 90s, so yeah, I... But the, the, I what's, knew the Spice Girls. What's, oh man, there's one Spice Girls song that I love. It's a single. It's the one where they're in the like desert. Uh, uh, it's the best chorus. It's this so I good. swear. Is that the one? I'm giving you everything. Um... Giving you everything, all the joy can bring. Yeah, yeah that tell me you'll be there. That song is so like that. yeah. That song is so good. I don't love any other Spice World song, but I legitimately think that that is a gem. Low key, Spice World is not a bad movie. It's not. Spice World is kind of the precursor to Josie and the Pussycats. Also, a pretty good movie. You, uh, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, is a great movie. You yeah. did not have to work set. at Blockbuster when Spice World hit the video rental and the soundtrack hit blockbuster music because for that i think they stretched it over a good four months that's all they played on our oh yeah trailer tapes i mean i just remember there's like a bunch of boats in that movie i I never actually watched the movie my sister rented it and i watched it because i never was into the boy bands that weren't boys to men or that one band that did the I swear, R&B version we talked about all for one. But yeah, like, I do have opinions about the boy bands from the late 90s just because it was a thing, but I was never a fanboy for any of them. And my hot take is that the Backstreet Boys are better better than NSYNC because they have better singles, better songs. The only reason people like NSYNC more is because there was a better looking group of guys because their songs are not nearly as good. Justin Timberlake is more talented than any of them combined. Yes. He's still a nard. But Backstreet Boys was a better group. Oh, better! They just have better songs. Yeah. Even if the other band sang those songs, just the actual songs and compositions are better. They just got a better group of songs to perform. Yeah, I I remember listening to both of them. I went and saw Backstreet Boys in Tampa because my niece won tickets off the radio, and I was her chaperone. So I saw them in concert, and they put on an awesome show. I'm sure uh, but music-wise, I uh, I was more of a an NSYNC guy, just because yeah, they they had boppier tunes and I don't know. I'm Backstreet Boys. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'd say for life, but <laughs> but it is I, 1994. Have you heard their new stuff? No, of course not. Yeah. I don't even like the old stuff that much. I just think that it's better. The new stuff is very different. I'm more of a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is it Together, the MTV uh, parody show? Shit, I don't even remember. 
<laughs> Sounds very familiar. Uh, one of the the like like older guy was played by Chris Farley's brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they, I do remember that show now. They, like they, their songs were like super coded about like jacking off and stuff. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, the good days of and when yeah, MTV. I shouldn't even say the good days of MTV because the good days of MTV were then they actually played music. But yeah, but it was like still the good days of post music MTV where they played shows that I. It was that in between era when we had things like undressed. Undressed, remote yes. Control. Yeah, remote control was fucking awesome. I mean, hell, even the Jenny McCarthy show. I don't know if I remember remote control. I mean, I've gone back and watched things like the state of. Singled Beavs out. and Butthead, you know, um, singled control, out for sure. Remote control was before Total Request Live. Oh, okay. I mean, I definitely remember Total it was Request a game, Live. It was a game show. Oh, okay. That they did on the show. I don't know if I, I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, the it was great. Simple and Ollie. I was a big fan of Simple and Ollie. Colin Quinn. I'm surprised you haven't watched it because that's where he kind of got his start. Yeah, I mean, I've, The State. I've watched The State. But that was something that I went back and watched. Oh, yeah. The State was awesome. Yeah, very good. Uh-huh. Well, we spent a little too much time here. Let's get to the Clash. <laughs> Wait, so this Spice was Girls. the 27th Clash of the Champions produced by WCW. It would take place at the McAllister Fieldhouse in Charleston, South Carolina on June 23rd, 1994, with an attendance of 6,700 people. Fieldhouse, it's like, is this where the... like the basketball team plays? Yeah, is this, like, yeah, is this the football like uh, training center? Uh, All right. I mean, cool. That's a decent amount of people packed in there, though, for something called a field house. Seven grand. But we're in South Carolina. So, let me, let, me, let me mix this up before you say that. So, Matt, we're in South Carolina. Oh. What did you bring Ooh, for us today? Flip the script. <laughs> well, Michael just kept going on and on. About these boiled peanuts. Well, you guys said Carol. We keep going to the Carolinas. Like I don't know. Well, that's the only thing I know. Boiled peanuts. Yeah. And we found that they're originally came from South Carolina, and we're like, we're we're there. In South Carolina, they sell um, like boiled peanuts on the side of the street, the way like Southern California, you can get a bag of oranges. Yeah. So basically, to getting to shut up about these boiled peanuts. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm getting buried alive. I found a place here in. Oklahoma City, a little bit down south, Norman area, that had boiled peanuts. Uh, it's called Mason's Pecans and Peanuts. So I ran down there, grabbed us an order or two, and we're sitting here chomping away Snacking. on some, some boiled peanuts. Yep. They're, they're kind of edamame-ish as far as the texture. Yeah, that's it's, a... it's very edamame, but like extra salty. These are not the great ones, but I do love them. There's something about the texture and the hardiness. It's yeah. like very meaty without being... The texture, I, I dig on them. I'm very curious because we got the, the original ones. They have a yeah, Cajun got original, one. They have a Cajun one. I'm thinking the Cajun ones might be amped up just a little bit more if they're actually boiling Cajun seasonings. Cause all that yeah, stuff I'm sure they inside. probably are. The ones that I had when I was like a teenager because I had family that lived in South Carolina and go out there and visit were... Obviously, like, fresher, although I don't know if that even matters. I think it just really depends on, like, the kind of seasoning you put in there. Yeah. These ones are very salty. I do enjoy the texture, but there's not a lot of flavor. It's more of, like, salt and then a texture. Yeah. But I, I enjoy the texture. It's kind of like a water chestnut without the crunch. And Maybe. see, I hate water chestnuts. So really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's the crunch that I hate of them. Oh, there's no crunch here? No, 
and that's why these crunch, ones yeah. I like better than the water chestnuts because yeah. water chestnuts the crunch is just it's off-putting. I can't say that I'm loving them. No, I'm I'm thinking I would really like the the Cajun a whole lot more. But yeah, these are a little too much. Like it kind of just tastes like soy sauce. Yeah, it's like oh, it's just really salty, but I do kind of. I love them in in concept, and I am enjoying this because I haven't had them in so long. But these are definitely not top tier boiled beans. And I'm wondering too, because we bought them this morning, if getting them fresh, fresh. yeah, because they've had a lot of time to sit and steam inside the shell, so they've gained a lot of that boiled shell flavor. Yeah, that's true as well. Well, let's move to something that happened right around the same time as this show. Oh yeah. The top grossing film of the year would be released a week prior. The Lion King. Ah, I think this might be the only Disney movie I saw twice in the theater. Me be like, fuck, I always forget everyone's age here. But we're older than you. (laughs) I know you're older than me, but like it's it's like a small increment between each of us. But it's also a significant one whenever it comes to like things that like how something hit at a point in time whereas like the lion king like i had the soundtrack i was probably in like second grade or some shit like i was born in 87 i think i was in junior high you were in high school i was yeah this was the summer before my senior year yeah so this is like me i'm still like in elementary school my brain is still soft and squishy i i my room is full of aladdin toys and shit and then they drop this and we get the soundtrack on cd and it's blasting everywhere and i'm laughing at timon and pumbaa fart jokes and uh talking about how this is the greatest movie ever i think if you weren't laughing at timon and pumbaa fart jokes do you even have a heart exactly i mean i i'm right there with you i had the soundtrack watched the movie many many times yeah yep good to know i mean this is also like one of the first vhs's i probably ever bought i was a senior in high school and we played the soundtrack on you know inquire on like study hall or you know study breaks and stuff like that just because or not even just inquire yeah it was just so throughout huge. the damn school because it was and good i basically like became like mm-hmm. came online like mentally where at the time that like disney went into its resurgence like i remember the day little mermaid got released on vhs and watching it because it came out in 89 so mm-hmm. the vhs probably came out in 1990 so i was like at that point in time i was just old enough to actually have a memory of it but if i saw it in 89 it would have been i would have been two so it was three when i saw the movie and i remember that and then seeing the whole rise of re-rise of uh disney and this was kind of like the high watermark until we get like Toy Story, because like from here you get Pocahontas. Pocahontas and like Hercules, which I think Hercules is really good, but it's different and it's kind of like everybody being like, okay, we're tired of this, we're tired of it. You already did it better earlier. See, Pocahontas, while I loved it, that was the first Disney movie that I fell asleep at, or fell asleep through the, at the the theater. Yeah, you loved it because you just because it looked nice. The yeah, songs I mean, were pretty. It was nice, you know. I. It may have been I was too old for Disney movies at that time because yeah. I would have been eighteen. I'll be honest, I didn't like Pocahontas at all. So okay, good. So I mean, I yeah, I saw it. Like the <laughs> Hercules was the last one where I remember seeing it and being like, oh yeah, that was fine. But after that, like, I can't say anything about him outside yeah, of like have, Toy Story. I may have been where you were for Pocahontas when Hercules came out because yeah. I, I mean, Hercules was okay, but but the the, like, the, eh, the, but the the important thing here is even with 
our the songs weren't as good with our age was... gap or definitely the songs are not as good but is that uh lion king is great and everybody agrees that it's great and we could watch it we could stop this right now and probably put it on and we'd be like oh this is nice we'd have a sing-along yeah we would we definitely would the question is do either one of you see the remake i didn't didn't want to (laughs) you still i I guess you said it first yeah but like i agree with you i just didn't care to the, it literally does absolutely nothing. Different. That's what I've heard. Like yeah. the soundtrack, I've heard again, and I know, mean, it has a lot of the songs pe- are great. Different people singing the songs, but which the they're fine. It's yeah, one of those things no like for CGI animals to do it when you can't have the animated faces and everything. You know, the you can't draw in the humor. I have no interest in animal. like like remakes of things that don't need to be remade. Because, but here's what the are Aladdin remake. It's pretty good. They actually added like a almost like a, a woman empowerment. They added a storyline for Jasmine. Yeah, and she's not just this damsel in distress. Jas- Jasmine is actually. I recently rewatched a lot, and she is pretty like strong and defiant as a character. Yeah, but her father is a nincompoop, and she's stuck in this situation and doesn't really have anybody behind her. Yeah. But it's like she's not com- again. completely weak. She's not. Uh, but I understand what but you mean. Out of the live action remakes that I have seen, because I yeah. haven't seen all of them. Yeah. Because why would I thought you Aladdin, just, I, I, I thought Aladdin was actually the, the better the better one, while Lion King it's li- I've like literally the opening scene I've heard is a shot for shot remake. Yeah. And I've heard that it just like ta- I mean. And I don't really, know. I, I don't. I even hate calling it a live action remake because it's not not live action. action. It's no. CGI. Yeah. It's a. Um, they spent way too much money on realistic-looking animation that didn't need to be done in the first place. Exactly. But I mean, we can all agree. Lion King, great. Yes. The, the original, the, the, the film film version, uh, film version of the song is great. The Elton John the CD musical. version of the song is also great. The musical <laughs> version of it is great. Uh, yeah, I have not seen that, but I remember it was a the huge Disney deal. World uh, sideshow for yeah, it. I'm sure it's great. great. Yeah. I haven't actually seen the musical. I want to, though. I've never I'm seen sure even any of the either. sequels because it just was like, oh, what's the point? Yeah, We're well, not going to top this. I saw them, but I don't remember. Again, I was working at Blockbuster at the time. Yeah, it's so. kind of like The Return of Jafar. I remember buying the, getting the tape as a kid because it came out like six months after the movie. But I don't remember anything from it at all, but I remember everything from Aladdin. Yeah, because there was like Lion King 2 and then Lion King 2 and a half, half or something like that. Yeah. One and a half? Okay. Yeah. Oh, man, my sister had this Simba's really great. Pride. Yeah, uh, that's right. My sister had this really great, like, Pumbaa toy. It was, like, a giant stuffed animal, but you lifted up his, like, tongue or whatever, Velcro, and there was, like, just a bunch of bugs in his mouth, like, <laughs> toy, like, like... Grubs. Yeah, like, they were just, yeah, it was a probably, like, a $30 plushie from, like, the <laughs> Disney store in, like, 95 or something. But it was a, it was very well put together. Yeah. Well, let's me. see if Clash of the Champions is really well put together. It's definitely, there's no way it could be better than the Lion King. Definitely not. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. It's hard to pull I that mean, off. I mean, if it is, then it's like the best show we've ever mm-hmm. seen. Yeah. yeah. So we get the logo and narration come on the screen over highlights of competitors for the evening. Tony Schiavone then welcomes us to the show. And Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund join him to discuss the title matches for the evening. And I see the red and yellow WCW logo and the rafters, and I say, oh no. You know what that oh, means. Oh no. They tell us that Hogan is going to be here tonight. <laughs> and we're also <laughs> going to learn who Sensational Sherry's man is. Sensuous. 
Did they say sensuous at this point? I think yes. they I think she they swap back and forth, but she's yeah. sensuous Sherry at some point in the show tonight. It might later they might, in the show, but, but I feel like they say it. I think it's where she becomes sensuous. Yes, she's she's sensuous here. But we go right to our first match: the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs versus Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan with Dave Sullivan mm. for the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Oh, uh, so they're like, oh, this one's gonna be regular rules, but they're like, but there's gonna be two refs. There'll be a ref on the floor. And what's with Kevin Sullivan? He's walking to the ring and he's just yelling at the crowd, "Hey, hey!" No, that's, that <laughs> like, was his deal back in the day. That was his thing. Just he yell, didn't yell, "Hey!" hey. He goes, hush, hush, hush. "Oh, okay. Well, yeah." Because Cactus Jack ended up doing it at one point too, either as Cactus Jack or Mankind. And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure one guy did it better than the other. Oh, yeah. No matter who came up with it. Nick. <laughs> yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> so Jack and Sags start the match, beating the crap out of each other in the corner until Cactus Jack gets the advantage. Which then brings the other two men in for a Pier 6 brawl. I thought we had two refs. Multiple double clotheslines on both nasties to clear the ring. Once back in the ring, Brian slaps Sullivan, which causes him to go crazy on Nobs. Which brings everybody back into the ring to brawl once more. I mean, Kelvin Sullivan does a really good job of being a bowling ball with anger and arms behind him there for that 30 seconds that he was given. Jack lays out Jerry to send him back to the apron while Kevin slams Brian's head on the turnbuckle, but then runs into a big boot. Bucked and booted. Sullivan is taken to his opponent's corner, only to fight his way out, delivering multiple double noggin knockers to the boys. Fighting my way back. Followed by press slamming Cactus Jack off the top rope onto them. Woo, that's a big boy. Forcing the nasty boys to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Knob slams Jack's head into a turnbuckle, delivers several right hands, but then runs into a big boot and a clothesline from Cactus Jack for a two-count. Sullivan is in with elbow strikes. Jack starts working Brian's arm until Sags can tag in, but he is met with a back elbow for a two-count. A low blow from Jerry puts him in control, hitting multiple knee drops across the head of Cactus Jack. Knobs comes in only to telegraph a back body drop, allowing Jack to hit a boot to the gut. Kevin comes in, dropping Brian with several right hands, makes the cover, but Sags breaks it up. Fucker. Jerry comes in with a body slam and a leg drop on Sullivan, knobs with an eye rake and ramming Kevin into a Sags big boot. Jerry then tosses Sullivan out to the floor, where Brian keeps up the attack with stomps and a double axe handle from the apron. Back in the ring, Sags misses a running knee drop, allowing Kevin to make the hot tag. Cactus Jack with several right hands, forearm smashes the knobs, head butts both nasties, clotheslines Brian to send them both over the ropes to the floor. A real 360, if you will. Jack climbs back to the apron before avoiding a charging sags to send him out to the floor as well. <sighs> Cactus Jack then flies off the apron with a springboard elbow drop. <laughs> oh, but you know what happens. But Knobs moves. And you know what happens to his head. Sending Jack into the guardrail. Oh, right to the steel. Jerry runs Cactus Jack shoulder first into the ring post. Post. Before hitting a back suplex. Rolls Jack back in to the ring where the Nasties attempt an Irish whip-aided avalanche splash in the corner. But Cactus Jack avoids and charges out with a clothesline. A double clothesline. Only to be met by a clothesline from Jerry as well. 
for the double KO. My gosh. Jack makes it to the corner for the hot hot tag. Sullivan cleans house with right hands on everybody. Kevin then tosses knobs to the floor and follows out after him, while Cactus Jack and Sags are still in the ring. Brian starts going after Dave Sullivan, but then runs away with... Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about Dave Sullivan. (laughs) He's here with a crutch on the outside. Sorry, guys. But Brian then runs away with both Sullivans chasing after him, when Jerry comes from behind to attack Dave. Nobbs is climbed back into the ring, where Jack DDTs Brian for the pin... And, and the, the win. win. Double arm DDT. Mm-hmm. Post-match, Sags tosses Cactus Jack out to the floor and continues to brawl with them until the refs can clear them all out. Yeah. I feel like we've just seen this match for so long, and this was not a bad version of it. And this is... I, mean, I think this is the worst of the three yeah. Yeah, but Cactus I feel, Jack, I feel Nasty like Boys matches that we've seen. It's But it still has moments that are fresh... That we haven't seen before, but Kevin Sullivan is a little bit more of a thing here. But it's kind of crazy that, like, Max Payne was, like, getting kind of fun and interesting, and then he just, like, disappears. It's really weird. There's a reason I am rematch Mike tonight. (laughs) We go to the stage, and Eugene's there, and he hides up the hotline before bringing out Sting. It's Sting! Uh, What's Sting's um, call? Can you do it without doing Ric Flair? I always try to do a Sting Woo, and I can't do a Sting Woo. It always turns into a Ric Flair Woo. I guess, no, that's, I I guess that's, that that's not Ric Flair. It's like whatever he does is like some weird bark yell thing. But it's still technically, if you wrote it down, it's Woo, but it's not. It's kind of, it's like, kind of like a Woo, yell. but it's more of a, I don't know. Like, I can't do it. A yow? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So Sting assumes everybody saw or heard what happened on TV last week. Hmm. We didn't, and I legitimately couldn't find anything other than promos being done. Yeah. Hmm. But he has a good idea that it was flair. But mind games won't get you anywhere, because I'm a great white shark. 24 foot great white shark, and then this is where he does his... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Tony then... Whoopah! <laughs> well, yeah. would be fun. Tony then sends us to a video package, and we see scenes of the former boss walking with the guardian angels. I have weird feelings about all of this. I can't roll my eyes and... Ugh, enough. I have a weird thing about... Let's just get through it, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. So the guardian angels are a volunteer, unarmed crime prevention unit. That walks the streets in different locations. But it comes off like Death Wish, but somehow more racist than Death Wish. We see video- Honestly, which is not good. I'm like trying to remember what the hell Dwight Schrute's little Knights of the Night or whatever uh, group that he was in. Neighborhood watch thing where they dressed up like, I don't even remember, like ninja coal people, miners. Yeah. <laughs> but this Guardian Angel thing feels like a little close to Clanny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. We see video of the Guardian Angels making citizens arrests before a spokesman says, we have to get out there to slam and jam them. I know. It feels very Reagan, and it's like, oh, he's not president anymore. And it's like, well, there's and there's like joints and crack, and we're like, yeah. It's the, like, I understand, like, let's 
clean up the streets, but they're doing it in a way that's uh, not necessarily progressive. It might be progressive in 94, but it, to me it came off very cringy. <laughs> but maybe that's just, uh, you know, my personal feelings. So we go to our second match. The Guardian Angel versus Tex Salinger. And yes, I'm still not perfect. Sorry, he's still here. Uh, I mean, what I think they changed, like... Like it was Schlesinger, and they like I think they spelled his name a little bit different here. Like remember. maybe they just forgot. They're like, "How do you do that again?" Like we got to we need what's uh, probably yeah, write it down the for the Chiron. Oh, and they're like, "Oh, here. like yeah." yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the two men trade. Where's Firebreaker Chip? I want Firebreaker Chip versus. The, oh, I guess they would have to be a tag team. I mean, they could probably make it work. Yeah. So or how about a uh, crack? Sorry, crack <laughs> hooker. Crack hooker Chip was my joke. <laughs> I apologize. The two men start trading chants with the crowds, which neither of them get much of a cheer. No. But they lock up with knowing gaining an advantage until several cheap shots get Guardian Angel riled up. Three. Gotta it's three. three. Always three. Big boot, several right hands, a body guillotine, and a boss man slam for the pin and, and the win. win. Well, don't forget... He's got that third strike. It doesn't really matter. Guardian Angel needs Dumb. to die on Dumb. the line. Dumb. Dumb. My take is that the Guardian Angel is racist, but probably only from like where we are now. I get it. But this inner city justice thing is just like... I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That's all I'm saying. Inner city justice from Cobb County, Georgia. Oh, uh, yeah. Not good. They're literally just sidestepping yeah. the... Prison guard. I know what they're doing or whatever, but he like comes off as like Bernie Getz meets Superman, and I'm like, cut the cord, cut the cord. The gimmick is bad. I'll admit though, the three strikes thing is interesting. It's pretty good. Uh, The three strikes thing is interesting enough. But it's only only interesting in squash matches. Like once he's in a regular match, not good. Is he he literally only going to be hit three times and then? He's going to squash someone? Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, also, gimmick aside, I feel like uh, Big Bubba Rogers, boss man, uh, Ray Stevens? Trailer. Ray Trailer. Ray Trailer here has the energy and is excited to be back. The boss. The boss. Uh, Yeah. The man who was uh, hung in front of thousands. But he uh, has the energy here, and, like, he's, he's bringing it, but... In hindsight, it is... He's bringing it beyond. with the exact same shit that he's done before in a different costume. It's, it's better energy, though. He's got... He's bring, He's he's it's, revved up, man. Uh, he's revved up. He hates crack. <laughs> crack is whack. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. Don't do it. So we go to shots from outside the arena where a police escort is bringing Hogan in a limo to the arena. Hulk and Jimmy Hart get out, and they walk into the building. Oh, also, Bobby has already made two OJ jokes, at least. Probably. At I least. forgot the first one, but there's one here as well. Yeah, because that was... Mm-hmm. It's oh. white, the white limo, and he's like, oh, is it a stretch Bronco or something like that? Which, if he said stretch Bronco, that is a good joke. <laughs> and I hope he said that. But this is the first time we've seen Hulk and Jimmy Hart since Battlefield 94 which we saw in episode 109. Them together? Yeah, Jimmy Hart was yeah, out yeah. there with... It's funny, like... With Hogan and with Yeah, I think Jimmy Hart is probably a really nice guy, 
and I find him annoying, but I find him annoying in the way that I should find him annoying, like the good way, <laughs> where it's like he should be a heel manager, mm-hmm. but he's Hogan's manager. Hogan's not a heel. He is in my heart, but not like in in it's not even theory in like psychology. <laughs> so we're headed to our third match: Lord Stephen Regal with Sir William versus Larry Zabisco for the WCW Television Championship. Which means we're in for some good stuff. Yep. I'm super impressed and excited about Zabisco as of late. Uh, missing Paul Orndorff with all my heart, but if I can't have him, I'll take Zabisco. Yeah, and him and Regal in a match together is oh. going to be some real-ass wrestling. Super good. So Jesse the Body Ventura has joined Shivani at the announce table, and Regal comes down in a red coat and wig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the powdered wig and jacket of uh, his, of the 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 man on the other side of the pond. Oh yeah, what was the Rupert Regal That's or whatever? What but he was making a joke about the British guy on the other side in the photo with or the painting of George Washington. It's very Jesse thing to do. So Sabisco had won the belt from Lord Stephen on an episode of WCW Saturday Night about a month prior. I know Regal's been having this belt for like a like about a year almost, and just having great matches and really building it up. Yep. And it's a bummer we didn't see it taken off of him. But here we are with the guy that took it off of him. So Regal does his usual stalling tactic to begin, before delivering several forearm shots to send Larry to the apron where Lord Stephen continues to stomp away. So many European uppercuts. Oh, lifters out the ass. And a headbutt to the midsection gets a two count for real. These two guys doing a headbutt to the midsection is still kind of funny. Zabisco fires up with right hands, backing Lord Stephen into a corner, just pummeling it away on him before tossing him out to the rampway. Back into the ring they go, where Regal grabs a single leg takedown, goes for a butterfly suplex, but Larry reverses it into a backdrop for a near fall, which is the same way he won the match at Slamboree. Oh yeah, that it's like that weird. That's right. I guess it's that that's the Northern Lights is the the half Nelson type suplex. Is that what that is? Northern Lights is more of a fisherman. Yeah. Oh okay. Zabisco continues the attack with a vertical suplex and a pile driver for a two count. <sighs> Follows it up with a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall. Regal comes back with some uppercuts and a knee drop before locking on a sleeper, taking Larry down to the mat. Zabisco starts to make his way back to his feet, only for Lord Steven to stop him with more forearm shots and uppercuts for a two count. I love the position of the sleeper here because like, they just did a quick run of big boy moves and then it's like, okay, well here's your, like you rest, but you have the advantage of him. Like this is where you do your, your chin lock or your sleeper after you're both exhausted and you couldn't put him away and you can wear him down a little bit. Yep. Smart from smart guys. Larry counters those blows from Steven into a body scissors, but a headbutt frees Regal. Lord Steven then with a jumping knee strike. Several more uppercuts, only for Zabisco to come back with a bear hug, dropping Regal to the mat where he transitions into a Boston Crab. Oh no! Sir William then rakes Larry's eyes, allowing Lord Steven to power out and roll on top, using the ropes for leverage, for the pin, and the win. And new! 
Good shit. Yep. Such a nice flash pin. Such a great use of time. My God. I'm telling you. I think Regal was one of the... I shouldn't say one of the first, but he's he's at the top of my favorite heel wrestlers back in the day just because he he's also got, like, got in there and actually mm-hmm. did shit. I feel like in this... Is it US or TV? TV. Television. Yeah, this television title era in the last like year and a half, two years, where it's Steve Austin, Regal, Orndorff, Zabisco, like it's Arn had it for yeah, Arn. It's just like these are the things that I love, and all of these matches. Some are better than others, but none of them are disappointing because they resemble wrestling matches mm-hmm. in like the truest form every time. Whether they're good or bad, they're still like, oh, well, this is what wrestling is. So we go to Mean Gene on the stage, and he hypes up Bash at the Beach before being joined by Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson. Mean Gene asks the Enforcer if he's going to team with the Natural at Bash. And Double A says he has a couple conditions. He's not going to get the Arn that's standing here. He's going to be the old Anderson who's not politically correct. The double A that was going to slap his granny. Now he expects to get hurt real bad. Maybe even permanently. They may get fined, but he will team up with Dustin. Rhodes then chimes in that the whole world stands behind them. And no tag team can stand in their way. Sounds good to me. Hmm. So we're headed to our fourth match. Johnny B. Bad versus Stunning Steve Austin for the WCW United States Championship. Rematch Mike <laughs> here on color. Bad's robe says, let's not sit down, Charleston. Let's, let's get, get down. down. And you know down, he's got bad blasters. Down. You think he's got bad blaster like sleeves on the inside of the oh, jacket? Yeah. That jacket, it's like, man, that's a lot for like Clash is free and clash is kind of like our quarterly event show that like you where you get quality matches and title matches on tv where the title could change hands and stuff but i wonder what johnny b was getting paid to spend that money on that gear i would love to be honest to own a piece of gear that would be the most funny and fun piece of gear to own is that <laughs> Johnny B. Bad Charleston 27. <laughs> you don't want Guardian Angels beret? No, I could buy. I could. I saw the commercial that they had for it. I get one of those on the internet. Uh, the Guardian Angels beret is basically a Trump hat. Yeah, I was gonna say the way that it looks now in hindsight. Hat. Yeah. Mm-mm. The only red hat I'm wearing says like Budweiser or Fuddruckers on it. Uh, I don't even wear those. I don't want anybody <laughs> I mean, I been... to assume anything. So there are no uh, red hats. Remember when red hats were just those bitchy ladies that would come into your restaurant and only tip you a quarter? Mm. <laughs> I call them quarter tippers. <laughs> so before the bell, Austin slaps Johnny. Uh, of course he does. But Bad doesn't do anything because the title is still in Stunning Steve's hands. Oh, yeah, he's teasing him. Slap, hold the belt up, I'll knock you out, buddy. But once the bell rings, Johnny starts off with some jabs that don't connect, so Austin delivers some chops to back bad into a corner. Stunning Steve goes for a backdrop, only for Johnny to float over and start chopping away on Austin in the corner. Bad then charges in after an Irish whip, only to meet a back elbow. 
Stunning Steve tosses Johnny to the floor, which Bad then drags Austin out as well to slam his head against the apron. Oh, and Steve is in between that. He's like still playing to the crowd. Steve is just getting better and better. And this is maybe like, I feel like, feels like the third Johnny B. Bad match we've seen with him in a row. And they've probably been working house shows and stuff. I mean, for Steve Austin to be as good as he is here, it's crazy incredible because yeah. he's only five years into his wrestling career and he's wrestling at <laughs> you know, top star level yeah and also johnny b bad like we keep seeing him being better i mean i'll talk about it later but people always say how mark marrow is the pits and i'm like maybe he is but he just consistently gets better in wcw his matches these matches that he's yeah. in are not bad and he gets a reaction and like he's crisp most of the time no he uh yeah he has a a very fast sad fall from grace yeah i'm aware of it (laughs) back in the ring johnny starts working the arm before hitting a drop kick and an arm drag to continue the arm work but a hair drag by steve breaks the hold so bad hits another drop kick to send austin out to the floor once again back in the ring johnny heads up top for a flying clothesline for a two count Hits several knee drops and an arm bar to work the arm a little bit more. Bad starts running the ropes, catches Stunning Steve going for a big boot, spins him around and tries for the kiss that don't <sighs> miss. But Austin ducks and crawls to the corner. The kiss, the kiss that doesn't miss. Johnny charges in only to receive a big boot before being yanked down by his hair and an elbow drop across his back. You guys notice the Steve Austin keeps doing like the two fingers in the air, and it's so close to the two middle fingers, and you're just like, ah, he's just you notice so much stuff as it goes on. Yeah, almost. Bad is tossed to the ropes, but comes back with a roll up for a near fall. Begins to fire up, only for stunning Steve to just kicking back down to the mat. Johnny is sent to the ropes once again, coming back with a drop kick, an atomic drop, and a head scissors takedown. Continues the attack with punches and a DDT. Ooh. Bad with a backdrop, knee to the gut, running clothesline, and a body slam before heading up top. But Austin hits the ropes to force Johnny to crotch himself. Johnny, you had him. All those big boy moves. Stunning Steve goes up to attempt a superplex, but Bad blocks and drops Austin face first to the mat. Johnny then flies off with a sunset flip. Oh, we know that move. Only for Steve to move to avoid. Bad landing. Austin makes the cover for a two count, so then Stunning Steve begins to choke Bad on the ropes and goes for a body guillotine, but Johnny moves in time. Bad knocks Austin down to get a two count, begins to hammer away on him in the corner with mounted punches until the ref pulls him away, which allows Stunning Steve to grab an F.O., from his trunks. Foreign object. Also, Johnny Bad, like, the ref pulls him out, but he's doing closed fists, and they're obvious ones. But, like, mounted punches are kind of always closed fists. But I get it. Austin nails Johnny with the foreign object, rolling him up for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. But... <sighs> a second ref comes down to the ring. Oh no, the dreaded second ref? Telling the original guy what happened? Even raising, even raising 
Austin's hand. It's getting confusing. Which causes the brass knuckles to fall to the mat. What's that? Why? What happened? Bad then cradles up stunning Steve for the pin counted by the second ref. So what happened? But the two refs argue in the ring as we go to commercial. And yeah, call me, yeah, you can call me Fred Willard because what happened? I'm like, where are we going with uh, this? I think that's one of the, it's <laughs> one of the Christopher Guest movies. Oh, Have yeah. seen it? Oh yeah, it's best well, in show. Yeah, that's the one. Maybe Johnny, gra- Johnny like had grabbed the belt and he's like, take it off with it. But the official announcement was that Johnny B. Bad was the winner by disqualification. So the belt did not change hands. A little sloppy way to do all of that, especially in like a U.S. title match. But I wouldn't be mad if, as much as we are talking about how great Austin is, I wouldn't be mad about Johnny B. Bad having the belt at this point in time because he's over and he's got the charisma and he's good in the ring when he has a guy to be good in the ring with. Mike and now, you know. Match Mike have, might have to come back. For, I know, uh, yeah. One more match. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I technically feel like they probably should have changed the title here. They could have had one more match and then moved Austin up. I mean, yeah, even though we obviously. Know, we know now that that's that not... what, what's about to happen. But... Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like Austin, there's no reason that, let's say, a calendar year from this show, that if Hogan is not involved, that the lead match. If we're going to fantasy book it, a lead, a title match in WCW six to 12 months from whatever night this is in 94 could be Ric Flair versus Steve Austin. Should be. And that would be incredible. Absolutely. We then go to the stage and Mean Gene is there with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. American made. Blue running through his veins. God, this new song is so bad. Born and raised in the U.S. of A. Well, every time I think Toby of Hogan, Keith wrote it himself. <laughs> I always think of the incredible Hogan song, the WWF song, "Real song. American." Great song. Whether you hate Hogan or not, it's so such an earworm, so enjoyable. Mm. This American Made song is booty. Yeah. Yeah. So Hulk knew his fans would be excited. He signed, <gasps> and he is pumped up to be. Yeah. In the WCW. No, did, thank you. Did you hear the fans, quote unquote, cheer, cheer. when they first had him yeah, come out? No, cheer. Yeah. no like it's booze. wild the booze, and he's just <laughs> going straight through it. Like all these Hulkamaniacs, and he's like, there's no Hulkamaniacs no. here. He then goes on to mention. These are Flair's fiends. He is a former five time champion, and that he needs to clean up his legacy and prove he is the best world champion. He needs to clean up his legacy, huh? Well, I mean, you know, he could have started here. Ric Flair then shows up on the screens, saying he has been looking for Hogan for a long time. Very weird to see the, like, WCW big screen. Like, you know, kind of, it's similar to the WWF one we've seen recently, but, like, this is so not a WCW yeah. vibe, and mm-hmm. here we've got their mini Titan Tron, and then Flair popped up. Flair to like show Wizard up, of Oz. yeah, Flair to do a, a Wizard of Oz promo, like not face to face, very bizarre. <laughs> Nate says he will show everyone why he is the greatest of all time, but Hogan responds that he's been watching the Nature Boy for 15 years, and Liar. someday Liar. he will destroy. Flair. I believe I mean, that last part, but I don't believe that Hogan has been watching Flair matches for 15 years. I don't believe that he's watched any wrestling matches he wasn't in. 
know. He may be watching and thinking, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's definitely not. I am not going to give Hogan any leeway on this, but why would you debut Hogan in Flair Country? Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. Smart. Smart. No. So, yeah, I mean, not, not a Carolina. Uh-uh. Not a Carolina. Not really any of the places that they're going to play, but definitely not a Carolina. No, I mean, okay, go to, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't Georgia. even know where they would go. Yeah, that's that was my first thought. was like, <laughs> oh, Georgia, it's like still a like, go to JCP, like WCW yeah. place, but it's not. Go to go to Hoganville in, yeah. in Florida. His daughter's name is Charlotte. That's her, that's her wrestling name. Yeah. There's a reason for that. I mean, Slamboree was in Philly. Much would better place. Would you not have had a better chance to get the reaction you I mean, wanted. That's kind of hard because of ECW and the Phil, smart Philly, mark thing. Philly's a little bit of a weird place. Maybe Baltimore? I mean, maybe, but, but they're not, they haven't been in Baltimore in a while. Yeah, know? and it's pretty like they haven't really done any New York, but even like if they did like fucking Albany or something. I mean, he shit. wasn't signed when they were in Chicago for Spring Stampede, so they, he couldn't have. Yeah, Chicago, but like, yeah, Carolina. Wrong place. No go. Yeah. It probably is a no go in most situations, but it's Ted Turner pumping money into this company yeah. for a reason that pays off yeah, I mean, at, at some point. At some go, point. go to Atlanta or something. So we go to Tony and Bobby, who's back to chat about Sherry Martell, and they send it to a video package where Shaquille O'Neal and Hogan are together, and they just basically say all of Hulk's catchphrases. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they say. The biggest uh, move of Hogan's career, and he's got a bunch of highfalutin fans like Sylvester Stallone and Don Johnson, even Shaq, number 32 of the Orlando Magic, and this is like young Shaq, like on top of the world Shaq, sell the poster at the at the uh, book fair Shaq, and he's got the Hulkamania gear on, yeah. and he looks so, it's so funny to see Slamming Shaq as young. young, it's been mm-hmm. so long. But I love how they throw Don Johnson's name in there. I mean, yeah, I know Nash Bridges or whatever the fuck that show was called was big at the time, but... I mean, you know. Really? He's still Don Johnson. Just alone. Jo- Don, Don Johnson. Johnson. And, and then Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, like, yeah, this, yeah, this uh, young star athlete and then two guys that are arguably past their prime, even if their prime was not that long ago at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, that's like headlining a show with I mean, was Ozzy my- Osbourne... <laughs> Guns and Roses, and then the girl that was Phoebe's singing partner on Friends. Mm. I was gonna say Lita Ford. <laughs> no, because she'd fit in there. Yeah, she would fit in there for sure. Yeah. So we head to our fifth match: the Nature Boy, Ric Flair versus Sting, Woo! for the unification of the WCW World Heavyweight and WCW International World Heavyweight Championships. Whew. Yeah, um, so Rick's out first, but Sting's out with Big Gold, so I'm like, well, it makes sense. Big Gold's a better-looking belt. I know, I was all like, Champ comes out first? <laughs> first? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I know Big Gold's so, the, Gold's the better-looking belt. Well, Big uh, Gold's the belt that they ended up keeping, so you know, mm-hmm, yeah. that's, that's the official belt that's coming out now. Yeah. That's, he, that's not just the world, that's the international world. Yeah, Sting gets a little like bit more all of the fireworks. We're curious, like, where's Sherry gonna be? Wait. I, I do love there's an image of a of a, a quick fan shot of like a little stinger doing his woo and you know it's a sting woo but i still don't know how i know it's a sting woo of course before the match michael buffer says those famous words happy 
Happy birthday! No, that, that, that one's that one will cost you money too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, it's in it's in public domain now. Oh, oh is it? Okay. Yeah. Stevie Bobby. Wonder had to write a song just because they couldn't use it at one point. But before the two men get started, Sherry makes her way down to the ring mm-hmm. with um. She's got a. The, I'm doing veil. my hand over my face. A veil on, a black <laughs> veil on. But then she reveals that she has stinger face paint on. Oh, it's good. I know. I was like, who could this be? Look at is this extra it, sensuous. Yeah, is, it, is like, is this Sherry or is it Fifi? I was gonna say. It's, oh. What if it would have been Fifi coming down? Oh, uh, I mean, I'd be. I'm happy either way. Granted, I'm a bigger Sherry fan, but we all know I'm a Fifi stan as well. So the two men go back and forth with shoves and hair drags before going into some arm work, until Flair is taken to the mat. So he heads up the ramp to regroup. He's a full, full heel flare. We're looking at like Starcade '83 flare. The good Starcade '83 well, flare was he, uh, face. Oh well, you. I take it back, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but we're looking at. This is the. I'm gonna kick player. your ass yeah, out cla- of the four horseman flare. Yeah, dirtiest player in the game. Or dirty, yeah, dirtiest player for sure. Back in the ring, Sting hits multiple gorilla press slams which sends Nate rolling out to the floor, flopping right at the feet of Martel. The nature boy freaks out at the cameraman as he's getting up, and then at the crowd, but the ref just comes out to hold him back. Oh, I love the, out of my face, as he gets up. Flair makes his way back in and pokes the Stinger's eyes to gain control, starts chopping away, only for Sting to no-sell it, and fire up with a hip toss and several running clotheslines, and send Nate back out to the floor. And I love that Flair is doing his dirtiest player in the game, Flair, the uh, extra salty Flair. So he's yelling at the crowd and stuff, which we haven't seen in a long time, but the commentary is putting it over. And it's like, what is he doing? He needs to get his head in the game. The nature boy re-enters the ring and works on the stinger with a few right hands, goes back to the chops, but again, the stinger sells them, calling for Flair to just continue to chop him. Until he hit tosses and drop kicks Nature. Stinger goes for another drop kick, which the Nature Boy avoids and goes for the figure four. But Sting cradles him up for a two count. So close. Flair keeps going back to the chops that do nothing. I mean, yeah, the ref Rick even pushes the ref this early in the match. So the Stinger fires up with right hands and goes for the Stinger splash. But Nature moves in time, causing Sting to hit the turnbuckle hard. The Nature Boy tosses the Stinger to the floor while the ref checks the time. Because, you know, Flair, like Rick asks him, like, hey, how much time is left on the mm-hmm, clock? Mm-hmm. So the ref, like, goes to the opposite side of the corner. Yeah, this is not 60 minutes. 60 minute Flair we're looking at. Because we still have the over-the-top rope rule that yeah. allowed Flair to throw him over the ropes. Also, the ref doesn't see yeah. him. asking for time. Uh, we're, on a, we're on a budget here. This is uh, Clash of the Champions. We didn't pay for this. Why do they still have that fucking rule? Because it's WCW, bro. Yeah, because it's real wrestling. I hate that. You got to keep them grounded, otherwise we just end up with uh, with uh, dancing. I bet it disappears here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Flair follows out to find his chops are effective out there before dropping him with the right hand. Back in the ring, Nate with multiple running knee drops makes a cover with leverage, but Steam just continuously kicks out in time. More chops and a back suplex. The Nature Boy tries for the figure four again, but he's kicked away by the Stinger, 
So Flair hits a back elbow and locks on a sleeper hold. After those uh, series of two counts, uh, Rick even yells to the floor at Cherry. Like, just talking shit. Like, he's very distracted. Uh, it's it's good. This seems very, like, cookie-cutter in a way, but, like, this match is good. When you got the baddest bitch in wrestling oh, sitting yeah. ringside wearing face paint for your opponent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sting escapes by ramming Nate into a turnbuckle before catapulting the nature boy into a ring post. Head first. Which gives us another flare flop before he rolls to the apron. The stinger brings Nate in the hard way for a two count before tossing the nature boy to the corner for a flare flip, landing on the apron. So Sting hits a clothesline to knock him down. I mean, Sting and Flair. Like, when was the last time... The first time we saw them go the distance was like 90. Yeah, a little bit earlier. 89 or 90. Clash 1. Yeah, like, I mean, like, these guys, Sting should know. There's no way that, like, Flair should be able to pull that move off. No. So that's a nice little touch. The Stinger continues the attack with mounted punches until Nate attempts an atomic drop. But Sting escapes and hits a clothesline before setting him on the top rope for a superplex. Ooh, big ass superplex. Stinger heads back up top for a splash, but the Nature Boy moves out of the way. Flair with a stalling vertical suplex, but Sting is up immediately. No, it hurt my heart. He hip tosses Nature, followed by a drop kick, a press slam, and a clothesline that sends Nature Boy out to the floor. A 360, but he does like a stalling. It's like a it's a brain buster. Like, oh, it's great, and he just pops right back up. I'm like, Hogan's about to be here, Sting. You don't need to be doing this. The stinger goes for a plancha, but Flair grabs Sherry for her to take the blow, mm. upsetting Sting as he didn't mean to hit her. Can you believe it's so scary? She, Sherry's head like basically hits the back of that seal. I had to rewind it a few times. Mm-hmm. She takes that crossbody like a goddamn champion. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And I'm just like, oh my god, no other like lady that we've seen in wrestling should take that or like even not not even saying that sherry should be taking this from rick but she's the only person that you're like okay all right but it doesn't stop it from being scary no pun intended yeah because i don't even know if they would have had medusa do that had she been there yeah Yeah, and we all know medusa's a bad bitch nate kicks the stinger before bringing him back in where sting reverses a hip toss into a backslide for a near fall the ref's late there the Stinger is still concerned about Sherry as he looks back over at her, allowing the Nature Boy to roll him up from behind with a handful of tights. Oh my god. For the pin and, and the, the win. win. And unified! Post match. Rolls off the tongue, guys. Unified. Totes. Martell rolls into the ring and hugs Flair. Mm. So Sting decks Nature before turning his attention towards Sherry. That's such a um, such a solid like classic pro wrestling angle. The Nature Boy chop blocks the stinger, allowing Martel to come off the top multiple times with a splash. Sherry took the crossbody from Rick, milked it to allow him the cheap win and then goes to the top to like not just crossbody but like splash s- splash sting. <laughs> Two to three times. Yep. It's at least twice. And she does it in perfect form in a dress. Sh- Sherry Martell is uh, the qu- 
queen of wrestling. The queen of American wrestling, at the least. Yep. It, it took me back to the, uh, the, the WrestleMania 7 where she's smacking around Savage at the end of the match. Uh, yeah, I just had that same little, like, flutter of butterflies in my stomach. Of, those, like... Oh, Sherry's doing her thing. Those, like, quasi-evil, like, macho man promos. A few years before Undertaker, but it's, like, still moderately demonic with her, and she's just, like, freaking out around the cauldron. God, Sherry Martel. She's still... Is she alive? No. That's a shame, and that's upsetting. No. Medusa threw out her... Uh, sorry, Alundra threw out her Hall of Fame thing, kept pointing up. Oh, uh, that's good. Girl. Good. That's nice. That's, <clears throat> I'm going get, to get all teary just thinking about that. <laughs> so the two continue the beat down of Sting until Hulk Hogan makes his way to the ring. Yeah. Taking his time to rip his shirt off. Oh, there we go. Once he enters the ring. Got yeah. our shirt rip. Woo. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen a shirt rip in a while, and this looked like a classic shirt rip. Yeah. Hulk then begins to hammer away on Flair. Goes for the big boot, but <sighs> Nate bells out to the floor. I mean, incredibly intelligent thing yep. to do. Sherry then sneaks up behind Hogan to hit him with her purse. But he turns in time, only to be slapped before the nature boy pulls Martell out of the ring. That girl. Mean Gene then joins Hogan in the ring, and Hulk says he's going to tear Flair apart, and in two days, he's bringing a contract to Ted Turner to challenge Nature to a title match. What you going to do? I'm trying to remember. Did he do his... Well, you know something, Mean Gene? Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. I... Yeah. Hogan hits my TV and my ears kind of turn off. It's like, what were you talking about? Quiet place where the, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't just don't want to hear it. You take your cocktail and play it out. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, But Okerlund is excited for Saturday night, and he says his goodbyes for the evening. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Clash of the Champions 27? It's a good show, and it's a bummer about Hogan. And I just like it. Just it just feels like this uh, last, maybe not last shift, because moving jobs is probably always a good thing. But it feels like uh, the last day of middle school, and you'll and you're going and you're moving to, out of town this summer. And you're like, oh, I'm like man, like that was really good. That was really nice. But I know everything's going to be different next time I'm here. Or if I even see you again. But I know, since I do this show, I'll be seeing Hulk Hogan again. And again. And again and again. Mm-hmm. And again. Well, the red and yellow on that hot dog body. And I'm just going to be force-fed it. <laughs> For how long? Well, you know. We know how long. Yeah. But. Yep. I mean, it had some some stuff that I liked. Some stuff that was just like, nah, whatever. For just a show that's so many rehash matches... I mean, yeah, we had the Nasties and Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan. It was good, but they'd had better. But it's still so great. That one was good too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a an even split here of stuff that I really liked and stuff that was just gross. Get it off my TV. Yeah, good, not great, not horrible. Yeah, Yeah, I think we're all. (laughs) There's nothing special about this show. But it's by no means. Because, like, the, no, it's like, not the, worst. Re, like, the re, ending's the worst. Regal but. and Zabisco was awesome. Yeah. Johnny B. Bad and Austin was maybe the best Austin bad match. It's hard to tell. We've seen so many. Yeah. 
Like, I just feel like that they just were like, okay, well, these have been working, yeah. so we're just going to yeah. do them again. Sting and Flair were great. The addition of Sherry was a nice little fun thing that I don't really even remember. Uh, and then you got old What's-His-Nuts that comes on there at the end that just covers everything in red and yellow. Oh, What's-His-Nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, T- Terry Bollea, I believe. Yes. I think Scary Terry. Yeah. I believe at one point he was asked to play bass in Metallica. Oh. I'm kidding. Uh, that's a Hogan lie, because Hulk Hogan lies all the time. There is no truth. Oh. In well, red you and know, yellow. He, he may have introduced Metallica for all you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure he did. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are the best moments of the show? I love the entire Regal... Bisco match. I, yeah. Um, I love that match. I uh, love... I mean, that's the best match of the night. Sherry got to slap Hogan. That was pretty great. Everything Sherry Martell. I mean, Sherry Martell is my MVP of the night, but yeah. it's hard to pick an MVP when, like, she's, like, the... You know how people are... You hear people like Bruce Pritchard and these assholes be like, well, it's an attraction. And I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. Shut the fuck up, you asshole. But, like, Sherry Martell here is not the attraction, but she is the thing that elevates. Mm-hmm. She is the, like, fucking Mario magic mushroom that, like, turns <laughs> this, like, sting-flare match into a sting-flare match with a fuck finish. But, like, you don't see it coming. No. You don't see it coming. It's really, like, this is... That's, to me, like... What they did in that main event is a wrestling swerve. It's a really good... It's like, that's what it should be. It's not overdone. It's... Yeah. It's really clean, I think. Maybe I'm just... Like, oh, well, it's Sherry and Rick and Sting are here, so that's cool. But, like, I don't feel like that I... You didn't assume that. Did you even assume that on the rewatch? No. Yeah, I, see, I that's impressive. I remember Sherry's involvement with any of that. Yeah. Like... It was good. I think it was great. When I, what I remember of Sherry coming to WCW was her being with Harlem Heat, which we'll get to at some point. Yeah, and also like biggest pop of the night, Ric Flair's crossbody to Sherry and her head hitting the Mm -hmm. bottom of that steel. I lost it, and you know, like, and it was done so perfectly where it wasn't so choreographed that it looked like she that happened on. It yeah. was just so Sherry always so took, me, took me as a type that would look at the guy and tell him to don't be a pussy and actually do it. Yeah, I mean, and they obviously talked about that. Like, she knew what she was doing, but then not even after that, she did the splashes. Oh, man. I think for an hour and a half show, an hour and a half television show, it's kind of hard to complain about this. Yeah. I mean, I really do feel like Regal, Zabisco, and Bad Austin. It's probably their best matchups that they've had. Yeah. That we've seen it We've seen them, but it's like the third one. And Sting and Flair always have good matchups, but it's not the best one. No. I will say that this one is That's different than like... Sherry. But the addition of Sherry is what makes the match. And, the, and also the, like the Hogan factor and the unification. I think that this was really well booked considering all of those things. But if it was just one guy versus one guy... For one belt, like, this is not the match you would want to see. But I think with all of the caveats, this match feeds all of those things correctly. I personally feel that if Hogan's not in the picture, 
Flair versus Sting for the unification feels like the biggest fucking match in WCW ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but since Hogan's there, and then Hogan comes out, and does you know, his promo, you know Hogan's just going to beat some. Flair shows up on the screens, so obviously it's going to be Flair versus Hogan at some point. Yeah, they're not putting those belts on Sting. No, when you have Flair Hogan, no. no. You're just sucking, like, it sucks, Hogan sucked the wind out of this, but I feel like that without Hogan, this match is not a clash match. Yeah, it's a pay-per-view. Yeah, this is a, st- this is a Starcade, this is a Bash at the Beach, this is not Halloween Havoc, Lord willing. Like, this is a, like, clean... I mean, hell, put it on Halloween Havoc and throw Sherry in there and you finally have a fucking good main event yeah. for Halloween Havoc. <laughs> no shit. You know, for sure. Put Black Veil and Sting mm-hmm. makeup and boom, you've, oh, got, yeah. you've got all the elements that you need for a, a killer main event. Uh-huh, Sherry versus Lady Scorpion. And then you bring <laughs> the troll down and just kind of piss on your ending. How about most disappointing? I mean, it's hard to say Hogan's the disappointing thing because we know it was coming but it just for me the disappointing part is that it is like I said it is the like like the honeymoon is over and like now WCW is something completely different and in doing this show and watching this stuff I've become such a huge fan and appreciator of WCW. They've had so many ups and downs, mm-hmm. but their highs are like more in tune to what me as an adult appreciates about wrestling. And a lot of that stuff is based on territory uh, wrestling and territory like television shows and stuff that I can't get. I can't get those shows because they don't exist on tape, but like they're like peeks into because like WCW feels like guys that are like heirlooms to wrestling guys that like care about the thing and are the true carnies and not just you know Hercules Hernandez or Hulk Hogan or it's a different style and I'm scared and sad to see double H is there man it leave scared i'm scared i'm scared is all i'm saying but on the other side of it we see the new generation over at wwf so who knows who knows uh most disappointing for me the entire guardian angel everything Uh, i think that ray trailer brought the energy i think that the guardian angel thing was a collar dragger of a bad idea in hindsight, it looks just like so thick-headed, <laughs> unintelligent, like wrong angle. See, for one guy to have so many different name changes over the last not enough years. It's been like a decade. It's been a decade, but Big he's... Bubba Rogers showed up in like '88, '87, '88. Yeah, so really for big yeah for, it's been for like, like, like the like Big Bubba like Rogers with like the you seven know seven different names. Uh, in JCP, yeah. doing like being the bodyguard, trying to catch Cornette. Yeah, off the... yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess that, I guess it hasn't been ten years. He's had all is... these different things, but he doesn't change his character really at all. So it's just the exact same character with he, a he gets name. He gets a little bit better as far as like like if working. that was the case, just fucking be Ray Trailer and just be done. Wear um, wear a different costume or you know get some new ring gear, but you know, just 
what, what's really wild is like you're like oh that was like 87 88 and i'm like oh that was less than 10 years from this show but the like video like the technology quality is so crazy because we go back and watch those shows and we're like i don't even know what i'm looking at just because the quality of the tape of the production of the mm-hmm. like it's like you had to you had to already know because they didn't tell you what what the angle was at all and it's kind of crazy how and about seven years from this point it's too much it's too much <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah it's like why can't we ride the line best performer of the night i mean we kind of gave it yeah, i mean i think we sherry, all decided sherry. that it was sherry because yep. like nobody did a bad job but also, these were mostly rehashes, and the Sting Flare thing wasn't as special as we wanted it to be because it was to facilitate the Hogan the, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Hogan stuff. How about most surprising? Hmm. Is it Sherry coming out in the Stinger makeup or the immediate turn? Uh, it was the her taking the bump to the floor and then the turn. Like for me, it was. I mean, yeah, I know it was Flare Country, but I just don't remember Hogan getting booed. That like that early, like that back in the day. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of refreshing to hear people felt like I did back then. Yeah, it was kind of surprising, but then I was like, oh wait, we're in North Carolina, yeah. and like these people, South Carolina, South Carolina. Sorry, and like these people like wrestling, and we all know hmm? uh, what Hulk Hogan does. And they like the real ass wrestling, and yeah. he brought in the quote unquote real American. I mean, maybe he'll surprise us and be Japanese Hulk Hogan. Yeah, maybe. But I highly doubt it. We can only hope, but never knows. We'll find out probably pretty soon. Will he bump? Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh, shite. What do we got this week, Matthew? This week, the category is pay per feud. We're back, and it's time to play the feud. Let's have it. The category is. Paper feud. I'm trying to remember what that means. Uh, he's going to give us some matches and we have to guess the paper. I will list matches from a show. You give me the name and year of that show. Oh, that's right. Points are decided by when you answer correctly. So five points if you get it on the first match I give you. Descending from that point forward. Oh, this is not a good, not a good category. <laughs> so the first match is the Natural Disasters. Versus the Beverly Brothers for the WWF Tag Team Championships. The Beverly Brothers and the Natural Disasters for the Tag Team Championships. I can vaguely remember this, but I'm trying to remember what freaking show it was. I'm trying to remember even the the like Hogan Earthquake time period. And I'm like, well, it's obviously before that in my um, head. But I'll take the second match. If uh, Shane does not have a guess. When did they really kick in? Well, it was definitely after the Killer Bees. Yes. And maybe intermittent between a Rajot sighting. Part of me wants to guess it, but... It's all good. I mean, how many points ahead are you from me? I know, but if I don't guess it now, I'll be one point less ahead of you if I <laughs> sure. get the next Sure. <laughs> Screw it. Go ahead. Let's go to the next one. All right. For four points, next match is Crush versus Repo Man. I'm so bad. Again, I can remember that one, but... Putting a name to a date. Flippin' show was it? Oh, that's post-89 and pre-93. 
<laughs> it's a WWF show. <laughs> I know that at least. <laughs> but the actual uh, date and name of the show. I assume it's not a Survivor Series. Okay, let's go to the next one. Yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> for three points, Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage. <laughs> Shane? Shit, I may have gone too soon. The first one that came to my mind was SummerSlam 1992. Your answer is SummerSlam 92? Yeah. That is correct. Oh, I was like, ugh. It's 92 or 91, but 92, that seems like it was so long ago, but it's not. It's only 94 here. Yeah. We're not even at SummerSlam yet, but that is like, with the matches he named, it's like, that's such a SummerSlam card. <laughs> like, it's so a SummerSlam card. Well, yeah, when you said the, the if first you, match, it yeah. was like, okay, so I was trying to think back, like, it was before the Steiners came in, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Steiners were here for, like, fucking... No time at yeah, all. Yeah, they were there from like basically just 93 to early 94. The other two matches on the show that I would have named Undertaker versus Kamala. Oh. And then the main event, of course, was British Red Bulldog, Bulldog versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah, for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. We're in the UK. The, yeah, if you were, if, like, if your guess was wrong, my guess would have just been. One year under that, so I was like, "Oh, well, like, so I knew I was like, oh, it's SummerSlam, but I was like, I don't know what, and like '92, and I was like, I think that's right, and it was. So what's that put but our score? So the scores is Shane seventy-nine, Woo. Michael forty-seven. Oh, Dang. I was close with my guess, forty-eight. Oh my gosh! So Dang. quite a bit of a lead. Oh yeah, tons of time, mm-hmm. tons of time for yeah. you to come back. Yeah, of course, you got this. Next week, Hostile City Showdown, 1994. And uh, who might be hosting this show? I bet we're going to Philly. Oh, going so, back uh, to you Philly. know, uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling. Pauly and the gang. Sabu, maybe a Terry Funk? I have not looked at the card, but, I mean, I come on. I don't think we're uh, who's, there. Who's the guy that uh, dresses like a Roman soldier? No, he's... Not, I hope he's not there anymore. I don't think Sal's around anymore. Oh, Sal Balamo. Who was the guy that we liked? Pitbull. I liked Pitbull. But we're getting more into our Sandman, Sabu. I mean, Dreamer's still facing it up over here. He took, uh, was it him or Mikey that took the beating from Snuka? He took the beating from he Snuka. He took the beating from Snuka, yeah. yeah. We've got, oh, I don't know, RVD should be coming along here in the next year or so, right? Probably. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I don't know. It's exciting watching Eastern Championship because it's it's a, it's a slow rise, but when it gets when it gets better, it gets better. Music from this week's show is "Exit Eden" by Thomas O'Brien, and Flair won our main event, so we play "Spach Zarathustra" by Strauss. You know, it would be really funny if Ric Flair has never seen 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Which would be also a travesty because it's like, oh, arguably the best wrestler of all time has never seen arguably the best American film of all time. Just saying. It's always possible. Maybe he didn't want to cross his worlds there with his yeah. his music. He's more of a like uh, like Carlito's way guy. <laughs> <laughs> you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
please email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Especially those recipes, because... Give me some recipes. Yeah. We're hitting up Philly a few times in the next couple weeks. Oh, yeah. If your concern beach. is that Flair is entering the WCW, I hate to tell you that you're a couple decades late and we can't do anything about it. Hogan? Yeah. Yeah. You said Flair. Oh, no. <laughs> I apologize. You knew what I meant. Yeah. I had Flair on the mind. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter at Wrestling Histo-X. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Later.